0: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor-guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. A community of communities. One of the books I bought this year was the Orthodox Study Bible prepared by the academic community of St. Athanasius Academy of Orthodox Theology and published by Thomas Nelson. Among its notes, there is a reference to the separation of the Orthodox and the Catholic communities, blamed, quite expectedly, on the Bishop of Rome's claims to supremacy over the patriarchs who presided over seas or jurisdictions that claimed to be as original as Rome and could trace their authority to one or the other apostle. There are, to be sure, doctrinal issues. But even as a seminary student of church history, expertly taught by a professor I deeply revere, Father Frederick Sharp, SVD, who was really an exegete but was a well-read professor of church history as well, it became clear to me that what cut more deeply than doctrinal differences were the egos and the tempers of the key players, to which one must add the finagling and importuning of politicians who in the past, and well into the present, always sought to enlist the church in their squabbles. Pope Francis is recorded as having remarked to ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew, also one of my favorites, let's get on with coming together let the theologians settle their differences later. Fierce critics of Francis will call attention to this as one proof that he is willing to compromise with doctrine, perhaps even abandon sticky dogmatic points. But that would not be fair, and I am immensely happy that the Church throughout the world, with the exception of a few lonely but brash voices like Archbishop Carlo Vagano, former apostolic nuncio to the United States, has responded with enthusiasm to the Pope's invitation to synodal journey. For me, Pope Francis is aflame with the desire to see a church that invites all to a common pilgrimage. To expect that Christian communities abandon their doctrinal positions and accept all that the Catholic Church has defined and taught is unrealistic. This is not to say that theological discussions and exchanges are pointless. They must go on, and on many issues, Catholics and non Catholic Christians have arrived at a mutual understanding that does justice to the deposit of the faith and also to the desire of non Catholic Christians for firmer scriptural foundations. In this respect, The Catholic Church has very wisely, to my mind, abandoned the concept of separated brethren, considering other Christian communities as the wayward who must, if there is to be salvation through them, find their way back to the Catholic Church. The Spirit speaks in many tongues, and the grace of Christ cannot be claimed as an exclusive gift to one community at all. God wills all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that, to me, does not mean that one community can hold itself out to be the sole possessor of the truth to which all else must conform. A synodal understanding maintains truth as the gift of the Spirit to the humble, to be searched for and sought after in all earnestness, charity, and mutual understanding. This does not diminish in any way the significance of Vatican II's position. The true Church of Christ subsists in the Catholic Church. The fact that the dogmatic constitution on the Church, Lumen Gentium, n. 8, does not simply identify the true Church with the Catholic Church means two things first, that the Catholic Church must itself strive to be the true Church of Jesus Christ, second, the elements of the Church will also be found beyond the legal confines of the Catholic Church. This is not new at all. Justin, the martyr, one of the well-known authors of the patristic period, had this to write in his first Apology, chapter 46. We have been taught that Christ is the firstborn of God, and we have declared above that He is the Word of whom every race of men were partakers, and those who lived reasonably are Christians, even though they have been thought atheists, as, among the Greeks, Socrates, and Heraclitus, and men like them. The point is that the Word of God and the Spirit the Father sends cannot be sequestered and restrained. A most desirable fruit of synodality would be the realization that we can be a community of communities. Since the primacy of Peter is doubtlessly scriptural, the Bishop of Rome can return to the role of which Ignatius of Antioch, another father of the Church, wrote, presiding in charity. Professing a common faith, which could very well be the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed without the filioque clause, but to which should be appended the Johannine profession that the Spirit is sent by the Father in the name of Jesus, the communities may well maintain their theologies, provided that it is understood that the common endeavor at reaching theological understanding is a continuing mission of the communities. This community of communities will be rich because of the diversity of liturgies, forms of worship as well as rules of life. The late revered Benedict XVI set the tone for this kind of rapprochement when, with Patriarch Bartholomew, he recited the creed without the filioque clause. If the saintly Benedict XVI did so, and he did so, it was because he found that omitting the clause laden with so onerous a historical baggage, could be omitted without compromising the faith. Caritas vinculum perfectionis, let charity be the bond of perfection. Ranny underscore Aquino at sanbeta.edu.ph Ranny underscore Aquino at csu.edu.ph Ranny underscore Aquino at outlook.com